The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast for the best division in the NBA. Brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. As always, you are joined by myself, Alex Fish, by my co-host, Mike Bash. And this week, we are moving along in our division preview series as the season gets very, very close. And we are talking about the central division in the Eastern Conference. Now, if you haven't seen our other division previews, they will be in the show notes. So make sure you check those links. They're all they will all be in there. So you can check those out if you haven't already. But without further ado, let's go on to the Central Division. So last year, we obviously had the reigning Eastern number one seed, shouldn't say Eastern Division champ, um, and that was the Milwaukee Bucks coming in at first there at 60-22. and 22. We had Indiana after them at 48-34, and 34. then the Detroit Pistons at 41-41, and 41. The Bulls at 22 and 60, and the Cavs at 19 and 63. Now, obviously, the three playoff teams there were the Bucks, Pacers, and Pistons. Pistons just barely creeping in there. Um, but overall, this this division was decent. But they didn't. No one in that division really looked like they were going to be uh, championship contenders. So, Mike, what were your thoughts about this division from last year? Uh, I, I look at the division, I kind of think it shaped up how we all thought it would be. Uh, the Pacers and the Bucks were cl- clearly the top two teams in the division. And it was a shame that Victor Oladipo went down with what seemed like a pretty bad quad injury as he missed, what, the last three months of the season, four months of the season? Uh, yeah, I think it was like pretty much half the season. Yeah, he played in 36 games. You know, I thought that they, obviously if Oladipo doesn't go down, they probably contend for the title and uh, the division title and... They don't get, you know, blown out by 12 games. But Milwaukee with Giannis Antetokounmpo took the next step. And, man, is he becoming one hell of a player. Uh, he, Seriously. If he develops any sort of jump shot, he could challenge LeBron James, Michael Jordan for the greatest player of all time. But, Ooh. honestly, I we've never seen a guy with this skill set, this size, this athleticism – he just needs a jump shot. Um, this, you know, long and athletic and wiry, and but but now he's put on muscle, uh, smooth with the ball, can you know finish around the rim, can get any spot on the floor he wants. I mean, this guy is unbelievably talented. Uh, Indiana though they they lost Victor Oladipo, but they held their own. They 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 played well. Detroit surprised me. I did not see them going forty one forty one. And then Chicago and Cleveland both sucked. But Chicago's got a young core, so, you know, you just hope to see growth out of them. But, yeah, this division kind of went how I expected. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, you know, just right off the bat, Chicago and Cleveland, I mean, both of them were like, yeah, they're, they're going to be pretty bad. Um, they, 
I mean, Cleveland, obviously, without LeBron and Kyrie, and then Chicago with pretty much nobody there at all. Those were, you know, a a foregone conclusion. Milwaukee, uh, right off the bat last year, I was saying that, you know, I really was in favor of Milwaukee, especially when they got Budenholzer. I thought he was going to make the biggest difference in Milwaukee. And obviously, as we see that they went 60-22 and last year, he ended up being a very, very big difference for them actually having, you know, like a real Coach of the Year candidate. And as we see, Jason Kidd now, is an assistant coach for the Lakers. So, uh, you know, I think he's an you know, assistant yeah, for the is. Lakers now. Yeah, okay. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't off base there. Um, but, yeah, the Pacers, it was sad just to see Oladipo go down. I love watching Oladipo play. Uh, I mean, he's really um, one of my favorite league pass watches. So it, it did suck seeing him go down. Um uh, but, I mean, you know, this year they look to make a big rebound. Um, and Detroit, Detroit is just, they're the most, to me, Detroit is the most boring playoff team in the league. Um, I mean, when they got Blake Griffin, it made them a little bit better to watch. But Andre Drummond is boring to watch. Reggie Jackson is boring to watch. Uh, like, Literally, I could go down like almost the whole roster and just say, eat like just say how each person is boring. The only uh, person on this team that was like, uh, you know, a little different from the rest of them was like Luke Kennard, <laughs> but everyone else, I was just kind of like, yeah, I, I could go without watching them this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, they this division shook out exactly how we uh would think it would go so looking forward to this season um let's start from the bottom up so let's look at cleveland first 19 and 63 last year 14th overall in the conference which is second to last only to the new york knicks um coming into this year they had a decent couple draft picks i mean they uh they brought in uh, Darius Garland, um, even though they already had Colin Sexton there. Kevin Love is still there. They still have a couple other young guys, as such as uh, I guess you could still classify Jordan Clarkson as a young guy. Um, but you have Ozman and you have Larry Nance. Um, they also have some other draft picks in Dylan Windler, Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, Marcus Bolden. So what what do you see with them this coming season? You're not even going to mention the fact that they have Timothy Luau Cabaret? I love Luau Cabaret. But on Cleveland, it's it's just, I feel bad for him that he has to be on Cleveland. That's all. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm messing. <laughs> so I actually like this young group that they brought in. I thought that Cleveland got the steal of the draft in Kevin Porter Jr. That guy is a walking bucket. The problem oh, is yeah. he's also a head case. He's also likes you know smoke a little weed. He likes to you know get in trouble off the court. So you know talent wise, he was a top ten pick. Personality right. wise, that's why he went what twenty nine or thirty one or something. Um, 
but Kevin Porter's talented. Darius Garland has a chance to be, you know, uh, Damian Lillard 2.0. The guy is great in pick and roll, great in, uh, you know, from three. It just obviously got injured last year, so we didn't see that at the collegiate level. And Dylan Windler, I, I remember when we talked before the draft, that was my sleeper of the draft. I, I love That's those true. guys from that. small schools, six foot eight, two hundred pounds, can shoot the rock. I mean, can he can he be the next Gordon Hayward? Maybe I don't know. He he is from Indianapolis, which I believe that's where Gordon <laughs> Hayward at least played college basketball. I don't know. If, I don't think Gordon Hayward is from Indianapolis, but uh, yeah, I mean, I like their young core. Gordon Hayward is from Brownsburg, and uh, no, they were both born in Indianapolis. So hey, just I'm just putting oh, it out there. There you go. Just putting it out there. <laughs> Dylan Windler. Next Gordon Hayward, just calling it right now. Um, I, I like the you know I like the young core. Colin Sexton, um, as I said, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter. Those are three good guards. It, you have Kevin Love, who doesn't belong on this team. He should be traded. And then you have a bunch of overpaid and underperforming guys like Tristan Thompson, Brandon Knight, Larry Nance, John Henson. Uh, Delva Delva's okay, but you know, not for nine million dollars fan favorite you got you know they still have jr smith on the roster somehow or at least on the payroll um it's gonna be a trying year it's gonna be a bad year they're not gonna win more than 20 something games maybe 23 24 games but that's not what you're not expecting them to win so i think uh the young core here will show some promise hopefully hopefully the two point guards and uh garland and and sexton can mesh and be like a lillard and McCollum style of play, but we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I'm not, not. I don't have high hopes for Cleveland this year. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's it's a it. They're still in their rebuilding phase. Like that's that's the the big main point of Cleveland right now. Um, still, some guys on there that you know are probably going to be some good uh, trade deadline guys. Like you said, Kevin Love, I, like he definitely should be going to a playoff team. Like Kevin Love deserves to be on a playoff team. Kevin Love could really help a playoff team. Um, so I think he, he's definitely one of those guys that should be going somewhere like that. Like I'm, if it shakes out, I, I think I've said this for a couple different guys already that we've talked about from other divisions, but if it somehow could work that you keep the main guys intact in Milwaukee and you get Kevin Love, that could be dynamic. Like, if you keep Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, and can add Kevin Love to that, that would be a very good starting five. Yeah, I just don't know if the contracts will work out and if that could happen. I mean, I could I could see them going for it, but you're going to have to ask... Um, you're going to have to ask Cleveland to take back Brooke Lopez, who I don't know if they'll trade him because Brooke Lopez is similar in offensive ability to Kevin Love. I'm, I'm not saying they're the same player, but offensively they bring the same kind of stuff. And, you know, it, you know, Ilya Silva, George Hill, and if you trade Brooke Lopez, you might have to trade Robin Lopez. So, um, I don't know if that'll work, but if you can get that to work, yeah, Kevin Love with Giannis, that would be a great pairing. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, Kevin Love helps stretch the floor, too. He's a great rebounder. Um, don't, don't forget about Splash Mountain, though. Oh, I'm not, trust me, I'm not forgetting about Splash Mountain. I mean, defensive-wise, they probably bring the same amount. Mm-hmm. So you don't really lose much there. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of has beens on Cleveland, and there's a lot of young guys that could be on Cleveland. So it's uh it's an interesting mix they got going on here. But um, if I had to guess, so let's see. Last season they ended up with 19 wins. This season I think they end with 21. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's, so I, I think, agree there. I I'm in that same they, range, 21, 22, somewhere around there. Yeah, and I still think they finished last in their division, so just another rebuilding year, and they get a decent draft pick out of it. So um, Maybe they get Omelo Ball. Maybe. They're a third point guard in a row in the draft. <laughs> and you can never have too many point guards. I guess not. Just have all the point guards play one through three, and then whoever's four or five, you don't really care. <laughs> Fair enough. But, um... Moving on, so the the second-to-last team in this division, who was also just one step above in the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls at 22-60. and 60. Um, I mean, similar situation to Cleveland. A lot of young guys, a lot of rebuilding going on there. What did you think about them for last season? It's a, it's a young core. It's a team that you knew wasn't going to win many games, but I like what we saw, and they made some interesting moves. They acquired Otto Porter. They brought in... Uh, Thaddeus Young, I guess they brought in the in the offseason, but I know they trade made the trade with Bobby Portis. It's funny, Bobby Portis and Nikola uh, Miritich both got in a fight and both found their way out of Chicago. Um, <laughs> that being said, I, I like what they got. Um, Wendell Carter seems like he's going to be a very good center. Oh yeah, Chris Dunn still is leaving a lot to be desired, but Zach Levine had a breakout year. Um, it's, yeah, Zach Levine had a breakout year. Laurie Markkinen continued to show um, promise. And just so you know, Laurie Markkinen and me were both born May 22nd. So, Laurie Markkinen, you found a new fan. Uh, I'm four <laughs> years older, though. Uh, you know, I, I like what they had there. Denzel Valentine's a solid off-the-bench player. Uh, it's, I mean, the other guy, they didn't hit on all their draft picks. But you got a core of Levine and Markkinen and... Hopefully, Dan, uh, Kobe White can be the point guard of the future for them, play alongside Zach Levine. So, I like what Chicago's built uh, building. It's not right. going to come together this year. They're still going to struggle, but I like what they're building. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I like I like what's going on there, and I agree that they have, like, a, a good core of guys. Like, you know, as you said, Laurie Markkinen, Otto Porter – um and then Wendell Carter, Levine and Kobe White. Like I think that core group right there is a pretty good group to have. Um and then you you also look at other guys to see if they can make the the next step this year like uh Ryan Archidiakono and Luke Cornett, um Chandler Hutchinson. Uh you know, though you look to see if those guys can make that next step. Like you said Chris Dunn and Denzel Valentine. Will they? I I highly doubt that any of those guys do to be honest with you literally i doubt that any one of those guys are going to make the next step i do like the fact that with Otto porter they also got set uh um i liked the flashes he showed in washington when he was still there and i think that obviously with the more with more playing time that he's going to get he's a he's a bigger guard he's six foot seven um i think you know he can definitely give you some things that uh this team would need moving forward and he's pretty much in the same area as those other guys i mean he's a three-year pro but he came out a little bit older obviously he's coming from overseas um 
So I, I think he also fits well with these other guys as a good rotational player. Um, it would be interesting to see how many of these guys are still there. I was a little confused by the signing of Thaddeus Young. Um, just because, like, he is, I guess, I guess he is the veteran presence, even though I guess you could, I mean, Otto Porter still counts as a veteran as well, but literally, you just looking at the amount of years experience on basketball reference here, it's like everything is rookie to three to two, three years, and then you get to Otto Porter at six, and then Thaddeus Young at 12. Yeah, so it's going to be a young team. It's going to be a struggling team, but it's a team that I think is building. It's a they're they're a few steps behind Atlanta, but they're trending in the same direction that Atlanta's been. Right. The only difference between between them and Atlanta is I have a little bit more confidence in Atlanta getting better quicker than Chicago. Yeah, I I I can I can agree with that. Yeah. So, um, and obviously they got rid of Fred Hoiberg. Uh, they have Jim Boylan. I think they still have Jim Boylan coming into this season too, right? Or did they get somebody else? Uh, I don't remember. I I'm I can't tell you. Um, uh, yeah, still Jim Boylan. Okay. So we'll see. Um, there were a couple rumors about Bill Self becoming the Chicago Bulls coach, but I kind of doubt that's gonna happen. Um. So, yeah, uh, they won 22 games last season. I think they win 25. You're (sighs) – yeah, I was going to actually – I was going to say low, and then I realized they're bringing pretty much their whole team back. Um, Yeah. I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to go 28 wins. Plus, last season, uh, if I remember correctly, Laurie Markkinen missed a good chunk of it. Because he was hurt from the season before, and uh, and Zach Levine also missed uh, like twenty games too. So, yeah, Markinen played fifty one game or fifty two games last year, so he missed a good chunk of the like a third or a quarter of the season. So, um, I think that's good enough to add a few wins on. Um, so moving on from them, we get to as I said, the most boring playoff team in the NBA. Detroit Pistons, 41 and 41 last year, just squeaked in at the eighth seed. Um, you know, got the the usual suspects of Blake Griffin, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond. Uh, what did you think about? Uh, what do you think about them moving forward? I'm surprised that Blake Griffin is still in Detroit, but then I remember how much money he's getting paid, which is 34 <laughs> million dollars. And I actually didn't realize that. <laughs> it, it's it's one of those like so. Yes, to to back up your point, the, the the Pistons are not a fun team to watch. They're not even like a you know. I don't consider them a playoff team. I considered them practice for whoever the number one seed was. Um, that being right. said, looking forward, they have some promising young pieces. They got Sekou Dumbia, who I know nothing about other than he played overseas and everyone was hyping him up. Uh, they got the Thon Maker, who maybe will eventually realize his potential. They also have Derrick Rose and Joe Johnson. So, you know, they got an old backcourt. They got the the people's champs. But from my buddy, I remember I told you I had a buddy who was a uh, a, uh, European basketball uh, savant. 
Yes. His his sleeper pick of the draft just so happened to be taken by Detroit, and that is Davidis Savitas. <laughs> I love the name. I do too. Uh, they got <laughs> Davidis Savitas and Svi Mikhailuk. I'm trying to pronounce his oh, full I, name, but I do like Svi. You know, Svi is, Svi is I, like the European Alex Caruso. That's probably a good way to put it. He's hyped up, but he's not really all that good. I'm just looking at the payroll for Detroit as the accountant that I am. Derek uh-huh. Rose, Josh Smith. <laughs> oh. They're still paying Josh, Josh Smith. Josh Smith. Yep. Joe Johnson. Like, it's ridiculous. Whoever was in charge of their contracts should be fired. Honestly, though. And wait, I'm looking at it now, too. Okay, they did bring in Markeith Morris. Okay. At first, I like looked at the salaries. I was like, wait, how are they paying Markeith Morris, too? I was like, oh, wait, they got him on the team. Okay. But I'm going <laughs> to go I'm gonna go on a limb here, I think. Okay. And I'm going to say that the... I'm going to say that they missed the playoffs. Oh. They're going to miss the playoffs completely. Yes. So it's going to be it's going to be like are you thinking it's going to be a similar to last season where it comes down to the final like 2-3 games but this time they don't win the games. No, I just don't even think it's going to be that close. I think they're going to win like 35 games. Wow. Okay. Ooh, I like I like the take. It it's it's kind of a hot take. It's a it it's spicy, but not like super hot. Oh, it's not <laughs> even gonna be my hottest take of the of the podcast of the episode. Oh, I oh man, oh that that's gonna be pretty good. But all right, so I just want to lead this off by saying I did not know Reggie Jackson was Italian. I did. Is this one of those Kobe Bryant situations? I don't know, but as I was looking at the basketball reference page, it has the Italian flag next to him. I had no idea he was Italian. Um, I didn't even know Reggie Jackson was an Italian name. <laughs> it's not. But it's, maybe it was a uh, Reggie Reginaldini Jackson. <laughs> Jacksoni. Jacksoni. <laughs> but um. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I've pretty much expressed my feelings about this team. Uh, I probably still won't watch much of them in on League Pass or if they're on national. I mean, I'll probably watch them if they're on national TV just because it's national TV. But yeah, other than other than Blake Griffin, I, I, like I really don't care much about this team. I, like I do. The only the only reason I would watch a couple more games is because I want to see if Derrick Rose and and Joe Johnson. Go off, like that's I, really about it. Happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was cool seeing Joe Johnson dominate in the big three. Uh, but it's probably because he's like court? the he's the most recent and the NBA player in there. Exactly, and it's this is not half court, and there's not only three defenders. So, um, can he still run up and down a court for twenty to twenty five minutes a game and still have the same kind of uh, you know, still still same kind of scoring output. Who knows? I guess we'll find out. Um, 
Derek Rose, it's been cool to see him, you know, coming back to relevancy. I think it'll be fun to watch him. Uh, Reggie Jackson will probably still be the most frustrating starting point guard in the league, especially for Detroit fans. Andre Drummond, my, all right, I do have to say this, though. My favorite thing about yesterday's preseason games. I know where you're going with this. We saw Steven Adams hit a three. We saw Boban hit a three. We even saw Ben Simmons hit a three. Ben Simmons hit a three. And then we saw Andre Andre Drummond. And then Andre Drummond tries to shoot a three. He backs up all confident like he's going to hit it and airballs it. Yep. So that brings me up to my next point. Okay. Who do you think hits more three-pointers this year? Ben Simmons or Boban Marjanovic? Now keep in mind, Ben Simmons is yet to hit a three-pointer against an NBA team. <laughs> or even a team I've heard of. Yes. That team looks like a men's league team. But let's not discount the fact that that shot actually like looked fluid. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm starting to shiver a little bit in my boots right now. I'm not. I'm feeling I, as confident confident about my Nets to the Eastern Conference Finals after seeing Ben Simmons absolutely stroke a three. <laughs> I, like honestly, the big the big thing to me was that like I was like, all right, yeah, like uh, like don't get me wrong, I was excited he finally hit a three and excited that he actually took that shot because if you're even getting that much space from a Chinese team, come on now, like and dude, you just it have wasn't to take even it like his principle. foot was on the line, like he was in like like clay range yeah he was a good few feet behind the line he was like you know i'm ready he's ready for it exactly and i i was sitting there thinking like oh it's probably gonna look like a markel fultz shot or something like like it's gonna look ugly but like when he stepped into that i was like wait that was a good looking shot like that wasn't just like oh i'm just gonna chuck it up there that was i was like that has a very good semblance of a shot and not only that, it just the whole thing looked the whole step up form, everything looked good. Shot went in. I was like, we might have something serious here. Let's slow the brakes but, a little bit. Let's wait till he plays a team from North America. <laughs> True. Um, but to to answer your question, not the uh, so Gundawan la- Sound Tigers or whatever he played. <laughs> the the sharks or whatever they are. Um. But to answer your question, so last season, Boban attempted 10 threes and made four of them. That's a 40% clip. It is. Actually, with the Sixers, he was four of eight from three. Um, But... 50%. He's a shooter. Exactly. Seven foot four shooter. Boban, Boban's a sniper. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Ben Simmons. All right. Well, I'm going to say Boban just because I hope so. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I actually do think we are going to see a slight uptick in Bo- in uh, Ben Simmons' three-pointers this year. Just a hunch. Yes, I agree. We'll have to go back to the episode we had a little bit ago where we had the over-under for Ben Simmons' threes. Uh, who hits more threes, um, Ben or, or Joel? Joel? Joel. I don't know why I had so, many tr- so much trouble saying his name. Jo- Joel. <laughs> jo- Joel. <laughs> Joel. Uh, like, yeah, I say Joel. Um, but okay. So anyway, let's get back on track um, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Moving so, on to Indiana. 
Yes. Um, oh, real quick, I just want to say Detroit, I say they win. I, I say they stay right about where they're at, and I say they win 40 instead of 41. Okay. See what happens. So Indiana lost to Old Depot. They should have him back, I think, for opening day, right? Uh, Has he been playing? I actually don't. He hasn't played in the preseason. Oh. Um, I don't know if he will be back uh, by opening day or not. Uh, it's loading. Give me one second. So it says Oladipo might not return to action until December or January. Oh, wow. I thought he'd be back for opening day. Okay, so... They're kind of in the same boat where they finished last year. Now, granted, they finished the year strong. They didn't finish the year a mess. Right. Um, and I think they pretty much returned the same team. I know they lost Boyan, um, but, you know, let's look at what they got. They got Old Depot. They still have Turner and Sabonis. Uh, they brought in Gogo Batate. Uh, they brought in Brian Bowen. I believe that was the kid who was supposed to go to Louisville and just had a whole mess of, like, um, yeah, I think that's the kid who had the one. Supposed yeah, to go to Louisville, a whole mess of his college career. They brought in Malcolm Brogdon. Um, they brought in TJ McConnell. And TJ effing McConnell. The boy from Duquesne University originally. Just a kid from Pittsburgh. J A K P. <laughs> no. Obviously, with TJ, they automatically... J-K-F-P. J-A-K-F-P. <laughs> exactly. A-K-A-F-P. TJ is good to add A-K-F-P. at least... No, just. T- A-K-F-P. T- a, kid from, a kid from Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, my God. TJ at least adds four wins right away. So, just, just, giving, just giving that off the bat. But continue. I think if they could hold, you know, their head above water until Oladipo comes out, I don't know how, how, um, you know, how strong Oladipo will be when he gets back. But let, I'm going to assume Oladipo is not, you know, Oladipo is, is a good kind of star player. He's not a head case. Um, so I'm going to say he, he kind of uh, integrates himself well into the team when he gets back. I, I like this team. Uh, I like Miles Turner. I like Sabonis. Uh, they do have a couple, you know, pieces that are like Jeremy Lamb, what's he going to do? McDermott, maybe he'll help a little bit. Does TJ Leaf take the next step? Does Miles Turner take the next step? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I like this team, though. I'm going to put them right around. I'm going to put them right around where they were last year. And if Old Depot can come back and they can play well with Old Depot, I think they can reach 50 wins. But it, it'll be tough. It'll be a tough 50 wins. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I mean... Um, I watched the other day. I watched the uh, preseason game between the Pacers and the Kings, um, and I tweeted out, which you guys would see if you followed us on Twitter, that I'm definitely going to be right about the Kings. Just letting everyone know that. Um, but the the Pacers looked okay without Oladipo. I mean, that starting five without Oladipo, they had uh, Brogdon, Lamb, Warren, Sabonis, Turner. Sabonis looked really, really good. I mean, he was literally, like, unstoppable on the boards. He was getting pretty much everything he wanted. The only time he got stopped was when he got elbowed in the side of the head and started bleeding. Um, Miles Turner was very 
eh. Brogdon was decent, but Brogdon's not going to be. The, the only thing that, that made me worrisome about the Pacers is the fact that they brought Brogdon in and it, they're almost looking at him as he's supposed to be like the second leading scorer on the team. And I don't think that's more of Brog, of like what Brogdon is going to bring. Um, especially because when you look at Milwaukee, it was like Giannis, then Middleton, then Bledsoe, then Brogdon. Yeah. I mean, Brogdon gave you a lot impact-wise, but it, he it's not like he was, you know, putting in 16, 17 points a game. Um, he was a good floor general, played some good defense and stuff like that. Uh, he's an impactful player, but not, you know, to that caliber, I think, of being the second fiddle. Um, no, I agree there. I think if they expect Brogdon to become like a star player for them, then they're going to be in trouble. But if if Brogdon could just come in and be like that, maybe the third option, I think that would be fine for them. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, as long as they can, you know, survive that those couple months without Oladipo, let him come back in, get him uh, uh, acclimated in those, like, couple weeks that he first comes back, then I think they'll be good. And the good thing is, you know, I think that, Oladipo at least will be have a little more left in the tank come playoff time and that'll help them you know make that playoff push towards the end uh and I agree I think I actually think they so they finished last year with 48 I think they finished with 52 this year and I think they get like that fourth seed yeah it'll be interesting I yeah we're kind of in the same boat we, we think that they they just got to weather the storm early but they they have a chance to be a promising team this year exactly so moving on, last but not least, we go to the Milwaukee Bucks with the reigning MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So what do you see coming for this year for Milwaukee? Well, last year they won 60 games, and that was a just a – they were, a, for lack of a better word, they were a buzzsaw. They just absolutely demolished teams. Um Got to the playoffs. Obviously, they did not win. They lost in the conference finals to the eventual champion, Toronto Raptors. Good for Milwaukee. Is there is no more uh, Kawhi Leonard. Um, that being said, they brought back most of their core. Uh, they did lose Brogdon. They did lose Miritich. Um, they lost George Hill. But this team is going to go as Giannis goes. I think this team will be very good with him, Bledsoe, um... Oh, no, they still do have George Hill. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, George Hill's still there. I don't know why they didn't. Uh, they, they did they, they add now, Kyle they, now, they went with the the theory of two Antetokounmpo's is better than one Antetokounmpo. So, really, they probably just want to frustrate whoever's making their jerseys. That being said, Kyle Korver joined the team. I think that'll help them come playoff time. Uh, but they didn't really bring in any young guys. They didn't bring any rookies in. So, it's the same kind of team. But when a team wins 60 games, you know the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. True. I think Milwaukee's fine. I think they'll they're I think they'll take a step back and win like but they'll still win 56, 58 games. Um but like I said earlier, if if Giannis develops any sort of jump shot, this team is unbeatable. He becomes one of the he could peak one of the top 5 players of all time, if not higher. But I don't know if he'll ever develop a jump shot. For this year, I don't think he will. Um and I think yeah, I think they're going to be a top seed and they'll have to yeah, hey, they'll have to get through Brooklyn. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, 
the one thing about this team this year is they do have some pretty pretty damn big height. I mean, Giannis 6'11", DJ Wilson 6'10", Ilyasova 6'10", the Lopez brothers both 7 foot, uh, Bender 7 foot 1. <laughs> like uh they have some pretty big the the like the the shortest guys that are going to play like a decent amount are going to be Bledsoe, uh Connaughton and DiVincenzo. So uh, the team's got some length and I think the matchups with Philly are actually going to be pretty fun especially with how big both teams are. Um but yeah, I mean I like the addition of Kyle Korver rookie wise they did they've they only got Luke May and Rajon Tucker um i mean those guys are decent players Luke May was a very good college player but he gives me the vibe of like good college player not going to do much in the NBA um so yeah i mean rookie wise like you were saying there's not much to write home about uh Sterling Brown was a guy that played a decent amount last year from SMU his uh second year um, I think he's going to take a little bit of a step up there. I think DiVincenzo actually gets uh, some some more minutes, especially with uh, Dra- um Why do I always forget his name? Brogdon. Especially with Brogdon gone, um, I think that DiVincenzo will get an uptick in playing time, and I think he'll he'll make that step that that leap up there as well. So. Um, he's a guy that I definitely want to watch and see, uh, what kind of improvement he makes. And yeah, I mean, of course, when you have a guy like Giannis, you're going to be hard to beat. And on top of that, as I've talked about before with, um, uh, with Budenholzer, you have like a very good system going on the team. We already know the team is good defensively last year. They were first in the league in defensive rating. 11th in points given up but their offense in terms of points scored per game was first in the league offensive rating was fourth in the league so like you said this team when they ran into a lot of the eastern conference was a buzzsaw they were beating a lot of the teams in the eastern conference um toronto was obviously the biggest one that gave them trouble Kawhi's not there anymore he was one of the best defenders against this team um they even took two out of the three games against Philly, which is the projected next best team in the East. Uh, Keyword projected. (laughs) I mean, they are as well. Brooklyn doesn't even have Durant. So we don't need them up there. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so, but like you said, Brooklyn, I mean, Brooklyn did improve. So that's going to be a, a team they now have to deal with, which they didn't really, you know, wasn't exactly on their radar before. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different. I actually agree. Basketball Reference has a little expected win-loss here uh, from last season. And I'm going to agree with that one. I think they win one more game and they go 61-21. and 21. And get the first seed again. And are they cut? Are they going to be winning the winner at all? I was going to say cutting down the nets, but they don't really do that in the NBA. They will not be winning at all. They will not be making the NBA finals either. Who who do you have them losing to? The I think you know the eventual NBA champion, Brooklyn Nets. Not at all. <laughs> the eventual NBA champion. 
Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> Terry Rozier, NBA Finals MVP. No. I think you have them losing to the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. And eventual NBA Finals MVP, Joel Embiid. Agree to disagree. <laughs> but, I mean, for the most part in this division, we pretty much agree. The I mean, honestly, you look down the rosters, you look at the paper, and it pretty much finishes the exact way it does last season. Um, obviously, there's some wiggle room with Detroit and Indiana if, you know, they can't stay above water before Oladipo comes back. There's some wiggle room between Cleveland and Chicago because obviously they're in the same stages of the rebuild right now. But for the most part, looking like it's going to finish the the same way it finished last year. Yeah, well, that's why we'll see what happens. We'll see who's right. Uh, we've made our predictions, and only time will tell. Yep. And, of course, next week, the last division preview series before the season finally begins again, and we wrap it all up with the best division in the NBA, the Atlantic Division. Make sure you tune in for that as well. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast for the best division in the NBA. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. We will catch you guys next week. Peace.